Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. Up on our site, The Ringer is breaking down the 40 best singles and albums from 1999, covering Britney Spears, The Backstreet Boys, Mariah Carey, and tons more. And to accompany that piece, we filmed our staffers discussing what they agreed and disagreed with from the article and debated what should have won. You can read the piece on TheRinger.com and watch the video at YouTube.com slash TheRinger. What's going on, jabronis? It's Pitch Mr. Perfect, Skylar Aston. Hey, this is Bruce Pritchard. Gross Battle Season 1 champion, Mike Lawrence. The king of sad stop. The Silver Lake heartthrob. It's Troy Kirby. It's Nick Mundy. It's a surreal WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar, Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm Shinsuke Nakamura. Zach Linder. Dan Black, a.k.a. the Goofaraja. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening, you're listening to this. You're YouTube. listening to. And you are listening to. You're listening, you're listening, you're listening, you're listening to the Masked Man Show. The Masked Man Show. Welcome to the Masked Man Show. I'm your host, David Shoemaker. Joining me on the mask line is a dear friend of the pod uh, and a, a hockey writer extraordinaire. I feel like I probably said that last time. Uh, Greg Wyshynski, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I find it ironic that uh, I'm doing the wrestling show in the same week that I published uh, a long story about the decline of fighting in the NHL. So I am, <laughs> I'm going on the pro-violence podcast at the same time my sport is in a uh, regression when it comes to violence. Listen, uh, we're all about fake violence here on the Mask Man Show, um, mm-hmm. unless we're in one of our many digressions about shoot fights in the ring. Um, uh, how's life post hockey? I mean, how, how are you enjoying the off season? <laughs> post hockey, not post hockey. Uh, yeah, I mean, first, first, I mean, the, the only the only time we'll be in a post hockey uh, situation is uh, due to global warming. Uh, in which case, I guess we'll bring back Roller Hockey International and the New Jersey Rock and Rollers at some point. Uh, but <laughs> as as far as like the job goes, um, I'll reiterate: I just published a long story on hockey fighting in the end of July. It is as, as if there is no off season. If there is an off season in hockey, we're, we're probably actually in it. It's it spans about six weeks. Um, it's when all of the Canadian uh, the pundits go to their cottages and uh, post pictures of uh, their blenders with frozen drinks in them. I imagine it's when they (laughs) all uh, get their best intel from general managers because they're all Canadian too, and they're all neighbors and stuff. So uh, as an American writer who doesn't have a cottage, uh, I am doing a uh, wrestling podcast uh, in my off season. We'll keep plugging away, keep doing these podcasts, and eventually a cottage will be yours, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) But I'm glad... Uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that you mentioned uh, all these Canadians because that's a neat segue into the biggest thing WWE has on the uh, horizon, which is SummerSlam emanating Summer live Slam. in a couple of weeks from uh, from Toronto. Everybody mm-hmm. I know uh, in the wrestling adjacent uh, podcasting and writing world is very excited to be going to Toronto. Um, apparently, it's a very nice place to visit. But um, if, I, before, if I may, go if ahead. Go to Toronto. If you go to Toronto, uh, I believe it's on either Front Street or Bloor. I forget which street it's on. It's a bar called Say What, and it is spelled, you know, C apostrophe E-S-D or what what have you. Uh, it's my favorite place to sample many great craft brews, and they have good food there too. It's a bar in a basement. They have a pool table, 
baller little 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 place if you want to check it out. Say what for all the uh, the wrestle heads heading to Toronto for uh, SummerSlam. That's a great recommendation. That's awesome. Um, listen, we're going to talk. We're going to run through the whole SummerSlam card because man, it is stacked and it is. Uh, it looks like it's getting pretty pretty well locked down. There's one match that we have to talk about that does that has not been decided yet. The biggest mystery of the week. And listen. I like nothing more than a pro wrestling mystery. And it's uh, Roman Reigns. He, he, he was coming out to announce his challenge for SummerSlam and was um, uh, preempted by a, a bunch of falling uh, metal and, uh, and, and storage boxes and assorted other things. I'm not exactly sure what I was supposed to see, but it looked like he got smushed by a bunch of falling stuff, got pancaked, mm-hmm. and, then, and then recovered fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have so what we have is a uh, is a, is a good old fashioned uh, you know who hit Stone Cold Steve Austin with the car situation here, um, but I'm guessing this isn't going to be Rikishi this time. It looks like I, spo- <laughs> I don't I don't know if this counts as a spoiler or not. I mean, if you're really that worried about finding out who knocked all this stuff over and uh, not following the trail of breadcrumbs, um, I apologize. But it, Twitter sleuths quickly figured out that uh, they saw a man who appeared to be Buddy Murphy walking away from the scene of the crime. And I got to tell you, <laughs> if, if Roman Reigns is in the stage of his career where he is making dudes like Buddy Murphy, then I am excited for this stage of Roman Reigns' career. Um, what, 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 is, what was your take on the mystery and on the potential for Buddy Murphy being the opponent? Yeah, I agree with you. That'd be, that's a pretty good use of Roman Reigns, I think, in 2019. Uh, I, I I thought two things. First, as a big Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, uh, I think of the jingle, he tried to kill him with a forklift, uh, which is <laughs> one, from, one from one of the earlier uh, Joel episodes. Uh, and then I also thought about if this had happened in 1992, uh, we would have seen a debuting uh, Keith Lee as a character named Forklift uh, <laughs> on, on Raw next week <laughs> to have been the opponent. My God! He's built like a forklift, <laughs> that kind of thing, and uh, and uh, that's made me a little bit, you know, sad that we're not back in the naming wrestlers after objects and occupations era. Well, uh, I wouldn't be sad about that for too long. Um, but if that would get, get Keith Lee on Monday Night Television, I probably I probably end up endorsing that in the end. Listen, um, there's not a lot of people left for Roman Reigns to be challenging. So I was actually very intrigued to see who's going to come out. I had, I had about talked myself into like him t- challenging the undertaker again or something that something to that effect. Cause there's, you know, like I said, a dwindling number of options. Um, but you know, I mean, there's also, there was also a weird Braun Strowman incident on Monday night raw where he sort of had a, uh, a conversation with, uh, was it Alexa bliss where we weren't quite sure where that was headed. So I didn't know if that's where, you know, she challenged him to do something manly that, that, that I didn't know if that's what this was. And Hey, listen, it might not, it might not be who Twitter and, and, and we all think it is. It might not be buddy Murphy as, as far as we know, they could change the plan at the last minute and have it be, you know, John Cena or something like that. Uh, right. and, and that wouldn't, I don't think anybody would be too surprised. Yeah, um, Braun Strowman doesn't need a forklift. And if the under, it was the Undertaker, it, he would have just used some sort of in, enchantment on the forklift where it wouldn't <laughs> have required a driver. Uh, it, would, it would have been like a maximum overdrive type situation. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, it was, a, it was an interesting episode ending to SmackDown. And I will say that if this was the beginning of the Bischoff era, um, regardless of that, I mean, of, of where the time, you know, the timeline for that actually starts, it does feel like, 
<laughs> on a you sort think? of zoom. It does feel like on a sort of zoomed out <laughs> level that, uh, and I'll give them great credit for this, that both Raw and SmackDown are making an attempt to have every show be mem- memorable in a different way, right? Or in a oh, unique I way. On, on, I thought you were going to say on a zoomed out level, it felt like it was Eric Bischoff booking the show. <laughs> Because uh, a backstage attack using some sort of foreign object, yeah, and a okay. mystery as to who the attacker was, uh, all fits the purview. Which, of course, will know it's an it's an Eric Bischoff machination if the revelation of said attacker ends up being extraordinarily underwhelming. Yeah, uh, it's going to be Garrett Bischoff. I'm going to tell you right now. Spoiler alert. Um, right. Or or yeah. it ends up being it ends up being Drew McIntyre. It ends up being like someone that's so completely on the nose that you're just like, yeah. oh, really? That's yeah. what it was? You went through a lot of work to uh, book yourself into SummerSlam, guy who's yeah. inevitably booking, being booked into SummerSlam. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think that's right. Uh, uh, listen, I mean, but, but what I was going to say is I, I do appreciate that, like, you know, part, I mean, we cover, or I cover this, this stuff from a week-to-week basis, but, you know, you get a week or so removed and it's all just sort of a blur. Um it's nice to be, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that like you know, a couple weeks from now, I'll be able to look back and just be like, oh yeah, you mean the SmackDown where Roman Reigns had that thing fall on him? Or that right. the, episode of, the episode of Raw where Brock Lesnar uh, yanked Seth Rollins uh, semi-comically out of, a, uh, out of an ambulance and, uh, and, and demolished him for several minutes on, uh, in several like awkward and painful minutes on live television. So, I mean, there, there, there are these high points that I, it feels like they're sort of deliberately building around. And if that's the case, if that's a deliberate top-down decision then i i applaud it um, it's very it's very attitude era i mean where, where you look back and it's like the raw with the beer truck the raw with the you know fill in the blank it's it, uh it, it does harken back to that i feel like they attempted that during uh becky's stone cold run uh but i mean how many times can you get arrested really with it without it being not memorable anymore um but yeah i agree like like the more stunt work the better um yeah i mean i think we're on the same page there i mean raw raw had its share of of uh of other highlights maria canellis um uh well mike canellis i guess won the 24 7 championship and then relinquished it to his wife maria which is one of Mm -hmm. kind of combining two of the most bizarrely entertaining storylines we've seen in a while i mean and listen you can obviously your mileage may vary on both of those things uh as with the ambulance attack as with the roman reigns mystery attack but it's nice to see them doing different things. I mean, I th- it, it sounds sort of like, you know, obvious, but you got three hours to fill in one night and two hours the next night. You got to be working in more than one mode. And I, you know, appreciate them sort of like keeping keeping things interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricochet, I'm just running through the Raw and SmackDown real quick, and then we'll just jump into full both feet into the SummerSlam card. Ricochet is going to win a gauntlet match to take on AJ Styles for the US title at SummerSlam. It's the second... Uh, match on this card after Seth Rollins where there was a really entertaining um, contrivance to get the guy who was obviously going to be in the match into the match. Um, I'm not, I I guess with Ricochet, there was a little bit more of a question mark because some of these other people could have fit the bill, but, uh, but you know, it it was, he was the guy that, you know, I guess we have no automatic rematches anymore. We just have uh, automatic (laughs) multi, automatic multi-person matches in which the guy who, uh, the the former champion always wins. Um, (laughs) That, but that was a really, really fun match, and it was a, uh, and it was a match that, um, and it was a match that was oddly, I believe, not present on the Hulu edition of Raw. I, I was complaining about who, Raw Hulu last week, so I don't want to make this a recurring feature. Well, but uh, oh, what? tell me, tell me about. I didn't, I didn't know that they don't put all the matches on the Hulu edition. 
Now they have on, for, on SmackDown. It's in SmackDown they do on Raw. It's a it's a weird setup where they just have or they have a special ninety minute exclusive edition of Raw on Hulu every every Tuesday morning. Wow. Um, and usually it's a pretty refreshing, quick way to watch the show. And then everything. And then you go to the the WWE YouTube page and they have clips of everything that wasn't that didn't make the cut. Um, or you go back always- to your D- you go back to your DVR and you watch all the stuff that that didn't make the cut that way. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a um, it's it's pretty fun to watch it, but it, and it's also fun from a. I mean, usually it's interesting from you know my seat to see what they decided wasn't worth putting on the show. Right. Um, usually it's pretty obvious stuff. It's backstage segments. It's sort of the mid card matches. You know, whatever. But you know, in this case, sometimes you just, they have to make hard choices. And I think this was one. It was just a really long, elaborate match, uh, and with on a show with a whole lot of other stuff going on. It, it kind of reminds me of the thing that NBC started doing, where they started showing old. SNLs um, on Saturday at like 10 o'clock. You know, they go old, old SNL for an hour and then like local news, then the new SNL. And if it's only an hour, then you have to cut a bunch of stuff out of the show. And it was always interesting to see which sketches made the cut, and which ones didn't. Did they put in both musical performances or just one and so on and so forth? <laughs> yeah, I think that, that that's right. That, that, that's, that, that's what it feels like. But anyway, that was a really cool match. Uh, we saw there's a couple of interesting things, but I think what stands out to me most is uh, Andrade ripping the mask of Rey Mysterio. Now, I know this is a fairly common um, occurrence in, uh, in the Mexican wrestling scene, especially it's a, you know, a pretty standard Rudo move to rip off, your, rip off the babyface's mask. Um, but, you know, Rey Mysterio is at this phase of his career where everything everything feels slightly momentous, right? Like we were like the, his retirement match could be right around the corner at any time. And, and so mm-hmm. all of every little scrap he gets into has a little bit of extra weight. Um, you know, I'm saying this uh, at the same time, you know, out of one side of my mouth, now to the other side, I'm saying Rey Mysterio is in the best in ring shape of his career. So I'm not really sure <laughs> how far away or how close retirement is, but, but anyway, um, the OC, not the uh, not the Fox TV uh, show, uh, but the tag team is the is, can't stand it. Can't stand are it. The, <laughs> they're they're your new tag team champions after uh, defeating the champion revivals and the um, uh, team who's had another minor scrap with the law, the Usos uh, for for the for the belts. Um, and let's see what else happened. What else happened? Note, uh, yeah, and then there, there was a the show ended with the Samoan Summit between <laughs> Roman Reigns. <laughs> And Samoa Joe, um, I like a good, I like naming a segment like that. It's really that that's 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 interesting. But then you know the the the, the big takeaway that I mentioned earlier was Seth Rollins uh, was in a match with Dolph Ziggler, and then Brock Lesnar appeared. Uh, Dolph mm. grabbed Seth by the ankle to prevent him from going to, from uh, you know from from responding to Lesnar, and Lesnar just demolished Seth Rollins for what seemed like about ninety minutes um, uh, until he was eventually talked down. Um, mm. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, like, pretty, pretty straightforward. But it, but it certainly did sort of raise the stakes in my mind. What, what do you think? No, for sure, absolutely. And, and uh, raising the stakes in that in that feud is only a good thing, in, in, in my opinion. As I'm a little Lesnared out, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it was effective. And, and using the word effective for an angle that includes uh, the presence of Dolph Ziggler, I think, is actually an outlier. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know exactly how to put it into words, so bear with me here. Please. But but they're doing a thing now with with their sort of 
you know, this the, the sort of crash test dummy uh, on the roster and Ziggler. And to a lesser extent, I think Samoa Joe, too, they've been kind of feeling their way through it with him. They, they, you know, Samoa Joe discussed how the worst thing, I mean, the, the worst thing he has going for him is that he's bulletproof. You know, I mean, he, right. he's he he can pop, he, he can be he can be a legitimate opponent to any champion at any given time. So they almost don't feel the need to do anything with him except just let him right. go and let him lose. Um but with Ziggler, it's like if you're not going to ever do anything with him, if you're if if even if you've decided that he's never going to be a champion, he's never going to be a real main eventer, but he has value in the mid card, or he has value as a gatekeeper, he has value as a personality. Just put him on TV all the time because we can complain about how if he keeps. I mean, people will say, "Oh, if he keeps losing, then no one will take him seriously." But the way we take wrestlers seriously is if we see him all the time. You know, that's yeah. that's the that's the the imprimatur of of greatness. You know, that 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 shows that the the, the office is. Is is behind him is when he's just on TV running his mouth or wrestling matches all the time, and I kind of like, I kind of like this like overabundance of Dolph Ziggler's hapless uh, hapless journey. I mean, it's it's uh, it's it's sort of it's sort of interesting. I think he's always been effective as a worker. Um, yeah, you know the other stuff is negligible, uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, sure, it's fine. Do you think Samoa Joe and Randy Orton are kind of in that that category that tier? of uh constant guys you could put into title matches but mm-hmm. maybe like a threat but not really a threat like it's an interesting category you've developed there yeah i think so i think orton i think i think orton has a little bit more of a i think i i, I don't i think i think with orton my guess is that he 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 is functionally in that category he's probably seen as being in that category but at the same time he's you know, I think that the, the the people in the office assume that he will have another run or two with the belt someday. Had you know, run. yeah, because Joe Joe didn't really have that much of a run. No, and I think that's yeah, you know, I, I think that's a, that's that's a problem. I mean, I think he would be an incredible champion, and it'd be interesting to see what he could do. Um, even if it's during some quiet months, just let him get the belt and run his mouth. But but um, you know, I, I but I do think he's in that category, and I think that. I think that's, you know, a lot of the, but a lot of the biggest success stories that we've had over the past several years are people who were maybe perceived to be in that category and they, and they bust out, busted out, you know, I mean, there's no, it, it would have been really easy for Kevin Owens to fall into that category, you know, Kofi was um, in that category. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Kofi yeah. was, Kofi might've been a, a notch below that category, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, it's a, it's not a bad place to be, you know, as long as you're always like a couple of steps away from the main event picture, um, it's like you know, a, a Kofi Kingston journey can your moment can can happen to anybody if, as long as you keep the crowd going. Um, speaking of Kofi, uh, over on SmackDown, he he went one on one with AJ Styles. SmackDown was a really interesting match, a really interesting show, not just because Roman Reigns uh, had a bunch of stuff fall on him, but because <laughs> there was there were a lot of relatively clean wins. I remember when I watched before I watched Raw, I read the Raw results, which you know I'm I'm a big I'm a big spoiler guy. And I was, and I, but it was just like the quick and dirty results. And I was, I was, uh, sort of, I, d- I didn't really know how anything happened. And I remember saying that, that, that Seth defeated Dolph. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, I guess that was, I mean, that, that makes sense. It's a clean thing. And then later, obviously, I found out it was a DQ thing and, and whatever else. Um, you know, it was, but, but SmackDown, there was, I mean, there were a lot of clean wins. Uh, Kofi over AJ Styles. Um, Ali over Shinsuke Nakamura. Kevin Owens opened the show by going over clean over Drew McIntyre, which might have been um, the biggest surprise. Oh, and then Dolph got a win against Finn Balor, but that was another schmozzy thing because of the semi-interference of the fiend Bray Wyatt. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin Owens is 
is going into SummerSlam one on one against against uh, you know probably the biggest heel in the business right now, love him or hate him, in Shane McMahon, and is just on fire. I mean, he's the he's the anchor of SmackDown now, and seeing him go clean over Drew McIntyre, I thought was pretty stunning. Yeah, agreed. But and and as and as we and to go back to a, a, a previous conversation, uh, clean finishes also not exactly in the Bischoff over. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Uh, you know, I mean, it'll it'll be interesting to see. You know, at some point we'll get interviews with with Heyman and Bischoff in their official capacities, and it'll be interesting to see them talk. I mean, maybe we'll have to wait for them to be done with this career. You know, be, be, you know, wait wait a year or two for them to get replaced. But it is but it is sort of interesting to 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 one to to think about whether how much how much and to what extent or or whether and to what extent their philosophies have changed since they you know were previously in official positions of authority, right. Um, my guess is that there's, you know, I mean, Bischoff seems like the sort of guy that might come in with a whole new set of ideas, you know, a whole new, a whole new kind of governing philosophy. Heyman is, I mean, Heyman has certainly evolved from his ECW days, but Heyman hasn't been, I mean, Heyman has been pretty active, how to say this delicately, Heyman has been, Heyman has been, you know, fairly regularly active in WWE creative, even when he hasn't had a title in WWE creative. I mean, yeah. he's been... He, he's he's been he's been a, an unofficial contributor even even you know without a steady contract for 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 a long time and 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 I feel like he's you know he, he his his entree is going to be a little bit more seamless into this world right and, and and you know we only we only know Bischoff from one thing really and because he, he, he wasn't exactly the mover and shaker in TNA that he was in in WCW so I mean we're kind of stuck with that template until proven otherwise yeah it's true it's true and it's you know it'll it'll be um, It'll be interesting to see how all this stuff goes for sure. Um, so listen, let's let's take a look at this SummerSlam card because I think that it's uh, you know it 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 bears some. Uh, it, I mean, it's it's already big. We're we're a week. Mm-hmm. We're, we're almost two weeks away. A little bit less than two weeks away, and it's um, you know there's no reason not to do this uh, on every waking moment until the event happens. Um, we talked about Brock Lesnar and Seth Rollins. I mean, it seems to me, we don't know what's going to happen in the go-home show next week, but it seems to me that Seth Rollins getting destroyed this week, it feels like a setup for him to, 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 to pull off an underdog victory at SummerSlam. What do you, what, what, what's, your, what's your vibe yeah. there? That's, that's, to me, the build right now, is, is to set up the, you know, Seth versus the monster yet again and, uh, and have him come out victorious at, uh, at SummerSlam. To what end? I don't know, but that does seem to be kind of the build. Um, yeah, I, I mean, when when Brock Lesnar won, I wrote a little piece for the Ringer, just trying to figure out what it meant. And it may come down to meaning as it, it may be something as simple as we needed Brock Lesnar, you know, Vince or whoever deciding we need Brock Lesnar holding the belt for this giant pay per view event that we have. Um, and and even though. Even though in retro, I mean, looking back in a year, it'll it'll just seem like a blip in a lengthy Seth Rollins championship reign, or something. I mean, maybe even if that be were the case, this might just be, you know, this might just be a Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar match, and the title switching hands was just sort of incidental to the whole thing. But I'm, I'm excited to see. I'm excited. I mean, I'm excited for this match. These two guys have fairly good chemistry, and this is a, you know, if it goes right, I don't know that it's a straight up mulligan, but if it goes right, it can. It will. I think further insinuate Seth Rollins as the sort of face of the company. Is there money in an intergender Seth versus Becky match? <laughs> um, well, there's been a lot of talk about intergender matches lately. And I'm not, I mean, I, I, there's, um, 
obviously the the extreme rules main event they got into a little bit of uh intergender inter, intergender uh shenanigans uh mm-hmm. that sounds wrong but anyway uh i mean listen if seth and becky had a match booked i'm sure a lot of people would want to watch that i i just don't i find it really really hard to imagine that wwe would ever go down that road is there How money in it yeah it? there's money in there's money in everything You'd have to, if there'd be money if, it, if, if they kayfabe broke up and then she decided to take, take his title. Well, there was a really interesting interview that Becky Lynch gave this week where she was just sort of shitting on WWE creative for their entire storyline that they had, where, where they were an on-screen couple. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of, apparently they pitched it to her and, and I was complaining about this the whole, the whole way along. I mean, I, just because. I don't think there's any way that they can be an on-screen couple for any length of time and not work and not end up as heels, you know. And if their value to the company is as baby faces, you got to keep them apart. You can't do that. Right. Yeah, you can you can acknowledge reality, but you know, every time a, a boxer, or a football player, or a basketball player pops up on the screen during a game or a hockey player, you don't mention who they're dating. You know, I mean, you don't you don't necessarily have to talk about their love life in the middle of a game. Outside of PK Subban, Lindsey Vaughn, that's about <laughs> it right now in hockey. But I I wonder like if you were going to see this thing through how you could book it like you, you couldn't you could put Be- becky over seth in that situation could you i mean double dq y- <laughs> they hug they hug it out <laughs> uh yeah i mean these intergender matches that i mean the ones that i've seen there you know lucha underground had a few um obviously there's there's been a number of them in, in on the indie scene um, Tessa Blanchard's out there working them, you know, with some regularity these days. Uh, they're they're interesting and fun matches to watch when they're well booked, and I think that you sure. can. Th- there are a lot of ways that you can that you can kind of make both people look good in the match, or not look good, but but you know, you don't have to. The, the man doesn't necessarily have to look weak for for you know getting hurt by a woman, and and uh, I I think that I, I mean I definitely think that it's possible. Um, I'd love to see her go over. I just don't know if they would do it. Yeah, I mean it was. It's. I mean, she's. You know, she's. She's significantly smaller than him, so that I think that makes some difference. It would be. It would be interesting to see. You know, we. We. They messed around with China, fighting men back in the day, and I. I. I you know, I, it would be a totally different booking proposition if we were talking about. Um, Rousey, you know, Sh- Charlotte versus. I mean, Sh- I mean, Ra- Charlotte, who's significantly bigger than Rousey too. I mean, Charlotte versus. I mean, well, if you want to take another couple, Charlotte versus Andrade, or Charlotte versus you know one of the somebody from Two Hundred Five Live. That might be mm-hmm. a real good battle of the sexes um, type situation. I don't know. Maybe SummerSlam, SummerSlam 2020, man. The, 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 there it is. The, it's, it's wide open. Um, but yeah, speaking of Becky, she's taking on Natalia at SummerSlam in a match they've done a pretty good job of building, given that uh, I don't think anybody was clamoring for this match. No, no they, they weren't, but I agree with you. I think that they built it well, which is a tricky thing. Uh, but, uh, but they built it well. Yeah, I mean, I think that some with the, it's the same with the tag divisions and the women's divisions. That as good as good as some of these matches are at times, they're not quite deep enough. They're not given enough screen time, you know, on the women's side, and and you know, to, to have them spread out over two shows. I mean, part of what part of growing this division is WWE obviously giving them more time, but part of it is going to be like I like with Roman Reigns and whatever he's doing at, at, at SummerSlam. It's it's incumbent upon the stars to lift the lesser stars up right to make right like becky has to make natalia into a legitimate contender for the women's division to ever reach the sort of level it needs to get i mean obviously natalia is legit and natalia is great and and natalia has a 
has an incre- has had an incredible career already and and deserves this match from a sort of smart marky metric. But uh, but you know, like I said, no one was particularly clamoring for this. Um, and then we have another interesting one on the SmackDown side, and, and Bailey defending against her sort of frenemy Ember Moon when they they've done a really. Um, I thought, I mean, I feel like a really, they've done a really good job sort of teasing that out too, because it's sort of a traditional storyline, but it does feel like, I mean, it does feel like the way that you would book that, 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 that WWE has booked, you know, men in the past and that they've been a little bit reluctant to, to book women where they're just like straight up wailing on each other when, as soon as the match is over, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. And there's something beautiful about that, right? They don't need some sort of like backstory of like, you know, of, 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 friendship gone awry or, or anything right. like that it's just these are these are competitors who you know can can keep peace for the purposes of a match and then just want to punch each other exactly um you don't have to be a face or a heel to pull that off um kofi you mentioned randy orton earlier and, and what his place is with the company i mean i don't think that he's going to beat kofi kingston at SummerSlam, but um it wouldn't shock me yeah um i think it's i think it's in everybody's i mean i, I think that well on on the SmackDown side in particular, I feel like we got to start looking at everything through the lens of who's going to be holding the belts when the Fox show starts. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I'm guessing that there's a lot of uh, negotiation that's already ongoing on that front. Um, mm-hmm. Whether whether that, I mean, whether it's something as extreme as, you know, Brock Lesnar ends up with the SmackDown title for the beginning of that show, or if it's just, you know, some some Fox exec has a really really specific opinion about Randy Orton or about Kofi Kingston or you know whatever else. But it does feel like the move here is just um, giving Kofi a nice long uh, run with the belt and and a bunch of you know really significant victories before they embark on whatever is going to be his downfall. How much do you think Fox has influence there, or, or, or do you think it's more along lines of like? Vince trying to uh, create the best scenario to make the biggest impact. I mean, it, it, when you say like a negotiation, right? Like, what do you, what do you what do you mean by that? What are your, what's your insight on that? Well, I mean, I don't have a lot of you know reported <laughs> reported insight, um, but I will say that that I I think that I mean I, I I there's definitely communication between those parties and and the people on the Fox side. I'm sure have an opinion about such things. Um, for a while, I've been saying that it, it, you know the 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 wild card rule or the lack of of you know roster of walls between the rosters, um, I think is both a a preemptive solution and a uh, and maybe a looming problem because at some point, I mean whoever it is, whoever takes off next, or even if we're just talking about the biggest stars now, if you you know would you want to say like you know what, what if both networks desperately want Roman Reigns to open and close every show then what do you do i mean that that's not a net benefit for the product for that to be the case but if the networks are demanding it i think that i think that honestly i think that that Vince will, will i mean i think that the net, both USA and Fox will have requests and i think that Vince will be very open to them i frankly think he'd be more open to what stars are appearing you know, having them dictate what stars are appearing on each show than you know them wanting to try out a new camera angle. I think that I think I think that he I think that as far as creative goes, he's probably open. If 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 not, you know, just sort of defiant for the sake of being defiant. And I think I think for the most part, his views on who is a marketable champion are probably going to sync up with that of a network. May not necessarily sync up with that of the fans, 
but I think it might sync up with that of a network. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I mean, I think that he's that he's definitely got I mean, listen, you know, WWE will always like to say that they have a test market, you know, every time they do ever, you know, four times a week whenever they do a show. And they and, and so and, and I think that we, I've said I've talked a million times about how sometimes the the disconnect between what fans that listen to this podcast, the fans that are out there chanting CM Punk at at pay-per-views, the differently <laughs> like that that's a very specific sort of fan and the people that go to house shows are over the moon for Roman Reigns. You know, they're over the moon. They're over right. the moon for the right, people exactly. that WWE is pushing. And, and that's... Total disconnect. And, yeah, and there, there is a disconnect there. But, but you know, the Fox thing will be interesting too because Fox is is very deliberately um, using WWE as, as a part of their sports weekend, right? I mean, they're going to have football. They're going to have NFL Thursdays and Sundays as the bookends, but then it's going to be SmackDown on Friday and college football on Saturday. And... And, you know, this is part of a programming block. Like, it's, this is half of a week or over half of a week. And it'll be interesting if they have specific... I mean, there's already been a lot of speculation, but if they have specific asks for... You know, if they have an idea about what kind of talent will appeal to that football crowd. You know, I mean, there, a lot of people have been... A lot of people speculate that, like, just based on nothing but his accent, but that, like, AJ Styles is the kind of guy that they want on the show, you know? Um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think that there's definitely going to be a premium on more of the real sports kind of uh, vibe to it, but that could be interpreted in a million different ways. Um, so anyway, all that is, is a long way of saying, my guess is that someone at Fox has already put in their vote for who was going to be holding the WWE championship when, on, on episode one, and, and it's, it might be Kofi, it might be Randy Orton, it might be someone totally different. So, you know, that, that remains right. to be seen. But I do think that if this, I mean, I don't think this is the end of the Kofi's championship reign at SummerSlam. And if it is, you know, I think he's firmly insinuated himself at the top of the card. Kevin Owens, we already discussed, um, is just, I mean, he's just incredible. I mean, he, he, I can't, it, it's amazing. I haven't seen like it, I haven't seen like a face turn that was not predicated on something on, you know, some really obvious old school face turn trope. That has gone over <laughs> as seamlessly as his in the in, in recent memory. I mean, I'm sure there is one. Um, I don't know. Did CM Punk turn face with a pipe bomb? I don't even remember. But like, you know, it's just just to get out that there was, and like that was that wasn't conventional. Yeah. Are oh, you saying? Oh, so you're saying unconventional? Yeah. I mean, Ke Kevin Owens just was like was a working heel, and then he just got a microphone and started shitting on Shane McMahon for no reason, and right. then, and and everybody's just like, all right, let's do this. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, isn't, we're, that, isn't, isn't that just gently you know, like? The, just pushing back against the McMahons or the the GM or the powers that be. I mean, oh. It's kind of in that trope, right? No, 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 no. I think it's an existing trope. I'm just surprised they didn't set it up with, you know, uh, Kevin Owens being, Kevin Owens like functioning as Shane McMahon's uh, lieutenant for one episode and then kind of getting disgruntled and, and flipping on him or, you know, and then picking right, up the mic right, right. or, you know, just right. doing, they didn't, there was no, there wasn't the kind of conventional, uh, you know, heel acts as a heel until he's pushed to his brink sort of uh, <laughs> setup that, that that I would expect. That's, I but, can't but, stands no more. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that Shane McMahon, if the goal of this whole Shane McMahon arc was to make him the biggest heel in the company and to make us all hate him so that he could put somebody like Kevin Owens over, then this has been a raging success. And, um, and it'll be, I think this has the potential to be like the real kind of emotional high point of the night. There's other emotional high points as well. Um, Finn Balor will be, uh, I don't know if this counts as a spoiler, but it feels like he's going to be losing to Bray Wyatt uh, at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm. um, in, in what will be the spookiest match of the card. <laughs> Wait, what's your take on Bray Wyatt, the uh, the Fiend so far? 
I mean, like the way that they've set it up is kind of like junior league demon, right? Or but, but not even so much that. I mean, it's it's almost more like what, like Willem Dafoe Green Goblin esque, where the fiend is telling him to do things. Am I am I remember that correctly? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 he's he's Norman Osborn basically. He's the fiend. The fiend makes him do the the horrible things. Not him. He's a he's a happy go lucky children. I like I like this. He looks he looks like the Joker, but he but the back but he has the Green Goblin's backstory. This is this is right. uh yeah. I I, I like right. where you're going with this. Right. Exactly. Um, the fiend. He's he's trying to do his little TV show for kids, but you know then he turns and sees the mask and it's like Bray. Um, it's Peter Parker, Bray. I think that you know. I mean, again, I, I, I for fear of being persistently meta in this, and I've probably said this before. If this is if the goal here, if the, if this if this ends up with Bray Wyatt being a functional regular performer on the main roster, then this is then no matter what happens here, this is a success, right? I mean, we just right. gotta we gotta get him on TV, and even if he's not wrestling, you know, on Raw or SmackDown week in and week out, you get if if you want to keep him a little bit special, that's fine. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm just I think that. As excited as I've been for the Firefly Funhouse stuff, I'm. I think this is the first Bray Wyatt return where I'm just sort of like in wait and see mode, and uh, you know, kind of prove it to me mode. And I and yeah. I uh, and so I'm. But I'm 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 cautiously excited to be for, to have that proven to me. But yeah, but the the problem is, and, and it goes back to sense memory, like we were talking about before with Randy Orton. You know, we can picture Randy Orton as a champion because we've seen randy orton as a champion and uh you could picture there being uh ring projections of spiders uh <laughs> because we've seen that before and, and we know that we're like at all at all times with bray wyatt two pay-per-views away from that and there's always going to be that fear that they, they won't know where the line is and they'll turn something that's kind of moderately cool into something that's just stupid yeah um yeah, I mean, I, I hope that. I mean, I think that there's obviously a, there's obviously a a path for him to be spooky and to be successful. I mean, people have been comparing him to the Undertaker for long enough that I think that you know we all know that that's a thing. But at the same time, you know, the Undertaker, the Undertaker is spooky. But at some point, he became you know the best striker in the history of pro wrestling. You know, you have to sort of, mm-hmm. he was submit, he had these like choke submissions and stuff. At some point you have to be as dominating, as dominating in the ring, uh, as you are spooky outside of it. And, right. Bra- and Bray Wyatt, I mean, I think the real turn for Bray Wyatt is just, you know, if he can be convincingly, if, if he can take the, if he can take the horror movie shtick and, and, but turn his matches into freaking horror movies, then that's, that's great. Just have him beat the crap out of people in horrifying ways and then I'll be convinced. Um if he if it's can we, just can we, but can we tell can we, can we the real issue is this. The Undertaker got to be the Undertaker because he looked like the Undertaker. And Bray Wyatt, no matter how spooky and scary he is, is always going to look like Husky Harris. Like <laughs> he just has he doesn't have the Undertaker's face or his build or his comportment. He will always. That's why the, the the children's TV character is kind of a fun one, finally, because it, it sort of matches the fact that as as scary and and backwoods Charles Manson as you try to make this guy, he's always going to look like a Husky Harris. So if you make him a children's television host, well, now you're kind of playing into his wheelhouse a little bit. Um, so that that's always like you you can only push the super scary thing so far with a guy who looks cherubic as he does. 
Yeah, I, I I can see where you're coming from with that. I mean, I think he's 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 pretty scary. I mean, I think that he you know he he looks like the sort of guy you don't want to mess with at a bar, regardless of how broad his smile is or you know whatever. But he's he's a. Uh, I mean, I, I but I, but I but I agree with what you're saying. I think that I mean, and I think that's why. I mean, listen, I, I I was talking about horror movies, and and obviously there's an Undertaker connection there with the with the sit up and everything else. But you know, the great horror movie creeps of our childhood didn't all I mean weren't all like you know muscle bound roid heads you know they weren't all they were they didn't all look like super villains they were just scary because they were violent and borderline indestructible and I think that if you can find a way to pull that off in the sort of realm of whatever passes for reality in wrestling then that's that that's probably the path forward um, right but you know that's just me fantasy booking um <laughs> Speaking of fantasy booking, uh, we talked about Ricochet winning the the shot at the for the U.S. Championship. He's taking on AJ Styles again in what is going to be, I mean, what is uh, just a uh, you know smart mark fantasy match uh, rematch, I guess at this point. Um, those two guys, just having them together on the card, just feels like a treat. And uh, you know, I'm not sure that. Um, they need to be giving Ricochet a microphone to uh, for his, you know, to 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 cut little plaintiff babyface promos every week. But um, mm-hmm. but aside from that, I am all in on this feud and and excited for this match. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I mean, uh, two great workers, little heel action on the style side. I dig it and I like it. And I love Ricochet, and uh, the potential is there for a, a, a showstopper. Of a match, uh, the OC that we mentioned before, the original club, the only club, the what I think they're they're messing around with different iterations of it. Are we are we to take this faction seriously now? We spent a long time with the with the with Gallows and Anderson being sort of goofy and 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 you know we've been through this before. Do you think that they that the OC uh, name you know maybe maybe name aside uh, could could be like a real a real force in WWE? Could this be, could, could they be the bullet club that they're emulating to, to such an extent? It, it could, but you need, you need other guys. I mean, I think, I think the issue right now is that, um, that Anderson gals are all only going to be seen as sort of the, like the muscle for, for styles, right? Like it's not, not a, it's not a real faction. Uh, um, it's, it's like bodyguards and a dude is kind of how it feels. Right. Um, so, uh, if, if for it to become a faction, you need to kind of make it into more of the traditional bullet club setup. And I don't think, I don't know if they really have an appetite for it. I don't know if what, where, where factions are right now, uh, in, in 2019 in, in WWE, uh, which I lament because I, I agree with, uh, the Eric Bischoff, uh, um, uh, philosophy that, that factions are fun and factions are good and that you could they're 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 they draw i completely agree with that mindset and i don't think we have enough of them uh yeah i i I totally agree with that um i i think that i I think you're right i mean maybe you could get a little bit bigger maybe they can have maybe maybe you know a lot of people are fantasy booking finn balor into this crew obviously because of his shared backstory with them but um you know it wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't be mad if if this ended with you know with with the ricochet joining up i mean he obviously needs a little i don't think he needs a, a straight reboot but but he needs a little bit of flavor and um i'm not sure they're going to do that he's such a beautiful baby face i mean for all intents and purposes <laughs> but 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 yeah they could there's there's definitely a lot of ways they can go with this and and AJ, and with aj i mean he's just such a great performer that you can have him do 
anything, but he's but but he's also going to be, you know, he's not in that he's not in that you know Samoa Joe Dolph Ziggler camp or you know category that we were discussing before, but he is. He, there is the risk that he's such a good worker, and he was actually so so surprisingly successful. I think surprisingly from the office's point of view as champion that it did you know he. It, he, they could have gotten complacent with him, you know, and they right. didn't, and they haven't, and I think that that's a that's that's a good thing, um, right? Exactly. Uh, the Miz wrestling Dolph Ziggler, and I don't even know what to make of it, so we'll just put a pin in that for now. But the big announcement from SmackDown, um, the sort of shocking thing that we have, the the shocking SummerSlam match that I was not expecting, um, was that Charlotte Flair is going to be wrestling Canada's own Trish Stratus in a that's right, uh, Stratus faction. Um, sort of return of the legend match. I mean, the with the last time we saw Trish, I think there was a lot of feeling that she had a little bit of gas left in the tank, and it would be interesting to see her come back. And this is, you know, uh, there is a there is certainly like a legends match vibe to this. Not just because she's a legend. I don't think that anyone's you know expecting this to be a five star classic. But you know, Charlotte's definitely somebody that can carry somebody to a to a, a number of stars, whether or not it's five. Um, I don't know. Are you excited about this? Yeah, it's a billion percent a Canadian booking. And and that's what's exciting about it because uh, I do think that you need to play to that crowd a little bit and that crowd will devour. The first time I met Tristratus was in a radio station in, in Toronto. Like, she's a legend in, in, in Canada. Um, so having her on this card and having her in a spot against Charlotte, of all people, is really kind of brilliant booking. Like, you can totally throw this on the card at a point when you need to kind of get the crowd re-engaged, you know, if it's not for some reason and, uh, and they'll, they'll just devour it. So I, I think it's really, whether the match is good or not is sort of beside the point because it's going to be such a, an, an interesting and, uh, I expect well-received special attraction. That'll be fun. Yeah. I think, I think that's exactly right. Um, you, the, the, the Canadian thing is interesting though, because we have Trish, um, Let's see, Owens. Ke- Kevin Owens and Natalia. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I don't think Nat- Natalia is an honorary Canadian, right? I don't know if she's actually Canadian. <laughs> uh, oh, she's Canadian American. Okay, so she, yeah, she's she was born in Calgary. Um, but she's she's. Uh, I mean, but the, there. So there are three potential. There are three potential Homer wins there on the on the card. I'm not. I'm not sure if I think Natty's gonna gonna take the belt, but maybe. And uh, and. You know, I think that KO is is an, is going to be another big, another big hometown favorite. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, well, I'm excited to see Trish wrestle. Um, I'm excited that you know we have uh, we have a really really stacked card. Um, I don't. I mean, we're we're a couple weeks out. I'm not sure. I mean, we're a week and a half, two weeks out. Um, this is it. Just, it feels like it feels like a big event. Um, and I'm excited to see where they go with it. Uh, what what of what of those matches? Is there is there any of those matches that you're looking forward to particularly? Yeah, Styles and Ricochet uh, for for one, and and just to see what they end up doing booking wise with with Seth and Brock. Even though I'm not too like jacked up to see the match itself, um, but it's a really good card. And and, and and I mean, my hesitation right now is that as I look at this card. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine singles matches. So which one of those is a triple threat by the time we get to SummerSlam? It's interesting. There's a couple of other things. I mean, there's there's presumably going to be a tag match 
or two added to the roster. I mean, added to the card. Uh, it also seems like we're angling towards a Nakamura versus Ali IC title match. Um, so, I mean, that, that could, that could easily, obviously be pre-show fodder, but, um, you know, we're, this, is, this card is, is expansive, to say the least. And, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it finds, I find it hard to imagine that the 24-7 championship won't be involved in the show to some extent, even if it's a, you know, uh, an interstitial sort of running around backstage situation. Um, and there's a lot of big names. There's a lot of big names from TV that, that are not currently booked on the card. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I, I think in the, in the, you know, cross-branded pay-per-view era, it's fine to leave some of your big names off of a, off of a pay-per-view, but it is interesting to see, you know, Alexa Bliss, Samoa Joe. I mean, there's, there's a number of people who don't appear to have matches set up. So, uh, you know, who, who are very present uh, uh drew mcintyre people who are very present on raw and smackdown week in and week out um so yeah i i, I guess we'll we'll see how that goes um like i said like the the ma- uh, what when when is the last time we had a major wwe pay-per-view that and i'm talking major not like saudi arabia major that didn't uh have a triple threat match on it that's a good question. I don't know the answer. You know, Maybe one of our listeners coming, knows the answer. That's why it's got to... I mean, there's no way they're going to go with, uh, you know, 10 singles matches. I mean, one of these things is going to involve Samojo or Drew McIntyre or, or even like one, you know, Roman, Roman's attacker is, or is already booked in one of these matches and then he inserts himself into the narrative. Yeah. Like, something like that's going to happen. Um, oh, and also we got... We have... Uh, we have... Uh, it's not even on here yet. I can't believe I missed it. We have Aleister Black... My dude versus one of my other dudes, uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, Sami Zayn officially challenged him on SmackDown, um, which is gonna be really fun. I like that they're. I like that they're the 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 uh, the the soup can. What's the what's the boxing term? The potatoes for for a guy for a, the, the uh, so, tomato can. Tomato can. I was almost right. there. Potato and soup. Potato soup can. <laughs> uh, I like that the tomato cans that they're lining up for Aleister Black are guys who can go and guys that we know are going to give him epic matches and not just cool excuses to, to work his finisher. Um, that dude is, is, is just a million percent awesome. Speaking of Aleister Black, this now brings us to a very important time of the show. Thanks to, uh, I think it was last episode with the Brian Dipperstein, we talked about the five guys that we would, uh, that we would employ that we would that we would sign if we had the entire WWE roster, NXT included, at our disposal, and we're starting a new wrestling company. There's all these new wrestling companies out here. If you're starting your own and you can poach five people from WWE, um, uh, who is it? Who 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 would be your pick? Now, mine last week, just to get it out of the way, were uh, I'm not going to bother defending them too loudly right now. Were Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Aleister Black, Andrade, and Wildcard Keith Lee. Um, you, Greg Roshensky, what is your top five? Who would you pick if you were doing this? Uh, well, I'm going to first say I'm going off the board. Uh, I am not uh, restricting this to WWE. Okay, do whatever uh, you want. For, for I, 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 you know, there is now another major uh, cable television wrestling promotion. Okay, you're, you're, you're exercising the wildcard rule. I will accept that. That's fine. Okay, wildcard rule. Uh, the the reason why there is a major uh, competitive competing wrestling promotion, you might say it's because of you know the guy who owns the Jaguars or because of the, you know Cody Rhodes. Uh, the the reason it, it exists is because of Chris Jericho. 
And so if I was starting my own promotion, oh. obviously I'd want Chris Jericho there uh, as someone who draws heat, uh, as someone who's, who's got great ideas, as someone who knows how to get attention for my promotion by any means necessary. Might not always be there to work for me necessarily. That's a lot <laughs> of other interests going on, cruises and bands and things of that nature. But if I want to get my my promotion on the map, few people in the business better than Chris Jericho to sign up for it. Uh, turning my attention back to the WWE universe, uh, I would, uh, like you, bring in Kevin Owens, incredible talker. Yeah. Uh, I think works as both a heel and a face, but I love him as a face. Uh, speaking of faces, I, I need a couple guys. I need a, I need a couple faces here. I think it's I think the, the, it's really easy to develop heels. I think it's very hard to have faces that people care about. Uh, one of my faces, although I agree with you, I don't want him on the mic necessarily all that often. But boy, can can he go? Uh, Ricochet would be one of the people I would build the promotion around. Um, and then the other face I would build the promotion around uh, is someone that I, I wouldn't mind having on the mic because I find it to be very entertaining, but also has the absolute look of a guy that you want on the poster. Uh, and that'd be Matt Riddle would be All right. someone I'd want to build a promotion around. My God, like the potential of that guy to be just the face that runs the place at some point um, is is intriguing. And, and by space that runs the place, I mean uh, an incredible looking charismatic uh guy who at no point do you ever believe takes all this that seriously yeah like john cena i think i think Um, that's right i think that's right i think my i mean i'm a little bit apprehensive about riddle and i think it's just probably goes goes it goes to personal taste more than anything else but i do think that there i like i do think that when i when i watch matt riddle i'm like i guess i guess i would say i'm not I'm not I'm not entirely sure he could be the number one guy in WWE. But having said that, if it were really in in the most in the most vibrant periods of wrestling and like the attitude era of WWE, he definitely would have been a, one of the top guys like he could have de- he, he could have he could have broken through. And we we have to sort of be imagining if you're fantasy, if you're fantasizing about the future of wrestling, you have to hope that it would get back to a point like that at some point. The, the problem is I, I bring up Cena as the proxy, but the real proxy is probably Rob Van Dam. Uh-huh. Like uh, at no point do you ever believe that Rob Van Dam is that all that engaged and 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 you know believing the fantasy world that's that's being built around him. You know, it's like he's always that guy. He's always sort of you know he's not really good at the play acting of it all. And I, and I feel like Riddle is sort of in that that mode. Uh, Cena, uh, you know, for 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 disparaging him a little bit as as you know, I think later in his run he was a guy that you didn't really take, take it all that seriously when he would, you know, try to get engaged and do his rants and, and be all fiery and stuff about feuds. Uh, there was a point in which he sold it really well. And I'm not quite sure Riddle can, um, but I think he's got an incredible look and he's an incredible athlete and uh, really engaged and charismatic. And at the very least connects with the audience in, in a very meaningful way. Um, so Kevin Owens, Ricochet, Matt Riddle as my faces. Uh, Chris Jericho is as my heel, and then another, and I'm going here with my other pick because I find this to be interesting in a number of ways. I I uh, I bring in Charlotte Flair, oh, and I bring in Charlotte Flair not only to be the linchpin of my women's division, 
but also as sort of like I, I feel like you could make Charlotte Flair the number one heel in your company, either gender, and have her be sort of like, for better, lack of a better term, the Ric Flair of of, of a horseman group that it, that is sort of intergender. Oh, I and, like this. Uh, I like where you're going and, with this. And, yeah, and and have her be sort of the scheming, diabolical uh, villain behind the scenes of of many of the heel machinations in your in your in your federation, while also being you know, arguably your best worker. So, uh, Charlotte would be, you know, a real, a real big, uh, uh, a pillar that I'd build around if I was building an organization. So run through your five again. So it'd be, uh, Charlotte, uh, Kevin Owens, Ricochet, Chris Jericho, Matt Riddle. And again, it's, it's because I think it's really, really easy to, to create deals. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it doesn't take a lot of work. It's it's much harder to develop faces, um, and uh, and and faces in many ways can make the heels. So having three guys on my roster that I think are effective uh, faces, uh, and in one in, in Ricochet, more more along the lines of being a great worker than anything else, is where I would go. Very close to making Velveteen Dream one of my five, but opted against it. Yeah, Velveteen's a really good. Uh... I think is a, is a really good option. And we, 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 uh, I think Dipperstein picked him and, and he was, he was right on my, on my also ran list, uh, too, yeah, as, as was, close. as was Ricochet. I mean, Rick, Ricochet was basically, I had to choose. I, I th- felt like I had to choose between him and Finn Balor. And I felt like Finn has, even though, even though Ricochet is setting the world on fire, I just, I just picked Finn just, just by a, a hair. Um, yeah. Anyway. Hopefully, thank you for doing that. Hopefully, we're going to keep doing this every week. If if my if my I other like guests it. have the have the guts have the guts to come forward with their top five and and face the music from uh from all the listeners out there, um, I think this could be the most successful bit to end the show since um, the inside the actor studio when you die and and go to the gates of heaven. What would you like Saint Peter to say to you? <laughs> was the question that you used to ask at the end of that that show. Unfortunately, the answer was always good job would be usually what people would say like oh i'd like him to say good job uh with your life but yours is a lot more engaging i have to say overall um well uh do you want to tell us what you want saint peter to say to you on the way out here oh good job uh yeah absolutely you want him to say good job um you want him to say uh to to um i mean what to to what check you out on twitter to uh, to listen to your podcast, what's the what, what's the yeah. what's the appropriate answer here? By the way, can I, I just want to mention something about death real quick? Um, my daughter uh, recently has been uh, youth has come up with a phrase for uh, when when someone or something has died, be it a, a pet or a person, and it is uh, they met Abraham Lincoln or they're friends with Abraham <laughs> Lincoln, which is one of the strangest. I mean, she's a quirky kid. But it's got to be one of the strangest things I've ever seen or ever heard. And now it's like a laugh line, you know, like, oh, you know, so-and-so's cat died. And then she's like, well, Abraham Lincoln has a cat now. It's it's a pretty great reoccurring bit. Um, That's fantastic. Uh, Oh, were you asking me for my plugs because we're at the end of the show? Yeah, do your your plugs. You can find me on Twitter at Wyshynski, W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. You can find my uh, writing at ESPN.com. Uh, on the NHL side, 
Um, and uh, do check out the hockey fighting piece I wrote this week if you're interested in such things. Yeah. I have two podcasts, uh, ESPN on Ice, which is on a hiatus until next season with Emily Kaplan, and Puck Soup, which is a podcast uh, about hockey, but also about pop culture and general nonsense that is currently available only on Patreon uh, during the off-season. It's uh, patreon.com slash soup. We put out a new episode each week and two bonus episodes. So you get uh, six things for five bucks a month. Um, and then also, if you're in uh, summer reading mode and want to pick up uh, something to uh, maybe uh, learn you a thing or two about uh, the sport of hockey, I have a book called um, uh, Take Your Eye Off the Puck, How to Watch Hockey by Knowing Where to Look. Um, and that's available wherever books are sold and primarily on Amazon. And uh, do check it out if you get a chance. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. We will check out all of those things. Um, thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Always an honor to step into the uh, squared circle with uh, with you, David. Thank you. It's always an honor to have you. Um, uh, I hope you're doing something fun between now and SummerSlam, or at least between in the in these uh, fallow months while everybody's hanging out at their cottages. Um <laughs> Enjoy pro wrestling. Enjoy thinking about the next hockey season. Uh, all you people out there, thank you for listening. Um, apologies, as always, to John Moxley. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. We'll see you next week on the Mass Man Show. 